Welcome to this week's episode of the Jewish Diaspora Report. On this week's episode, we're going to look into why we fight, why the Jewish community has always seemed to answer the call to fight for their freedom in the diaspora. Let's get started. The name of this podcast episode pays homage to the episode of the HBO World War II miniseries Band of Brothers. This miniseries followed the American Airborne Unit through their experience during World War II. In this episode, we see the American Jewish soldiers facing the reality of the Holocaust for the first time with their own eyes. On that same note, in this podcast episode, we are going to look into why the Jewish community has gone into battle for their diaspora homeland, on many occasions above average for the percentage of their population. Even though there are many conflicts around the world, we only really have time to focus on a few. One very interesting example of this would be in the 18th century when the American colonies fought for their independence from the British. The American Jewish population in the mid-18th century was somewhere between 2,000 and 3,000, mostly Sephardic Jews. There had been a mix of discrimination and acceptance by the American population towards the Jewish community. Some of this would have been caused by the British rulers across the Atlantic. As the opportunity for the American colonies arises to free themselves from the British, the Jewish community had some reservations. The Jews of America were recently expelled from Europe, caused by a great deal of discrimination. America, although not perfect under the British, showed promise for the Jewish community in order to have the safety and security that they did not get in Europe. As is always the case in life, it is the devil you know versus the devil that you don't know. Many in the Jewish community chose to gamble on the freedoms that the American revolutionaries were promising. Before and during the American Revolutionary War, the Jews had representatives of their people on both sides of the controversy. However, the majority joined the colonial side. 160 Jewish soldiers enlisted in the colonial army. As tiny as a number as that seems, when compared to the number of Jewish people in the colonies, it's a staggering number to support the cause of freedom in America. The Jewish community at the time made up less than 1% of the population of the American colonies. However, the number of Jewish people who signed up to fight were over 5% of the Jewish community. One outcome of the onset of the Revolutionary War was that the Jewish congregation of New York was dissolved, and upon the eve of the British occupancy of the town, the majority of the congregation took all of the belongings of the synagogue to Philadelphia. The small number who remained in New York occasionally held services in their synagogue. Chaim Solomon, an American Jewish community member, was possibly the prime financier of the American side during the American War of Independence against the British. Another example of a brave Jewish American supporting the Revolution was Francis Salvador. Salvador was an English-born American Jew in the colony of South Carolina from the Sephardic Jewish community of London. In 1774, he was the first Jew to be elected to public office in the colonies when he was chosen for a provincial congress. He had joined the independence cause in 1776 and ended up being the first Jew killed in the American Revolutionary War, fighting with the militia on the South Carolina frontier. Following the War of Independence, the growing Jewish community was still unsure of the rights that Jewish people were granted under the new American state. The trauma of generations who had been discriminated against, attacked, or exiled was still in the back of their mind. In a letter then written to President George Washington in 1790, the Jewish community of Rhode Island was hoping to receive some more detail into the equality that was ensured to all people under the Constitution. Essentially, the Jewish people wanted to know if they too were considered equal under the law, something that was very rare in the history of the Jewish experience. George Washington wrote back to the Jewish community of Rhode Island saying in part, All possess an alike liberty of conscience and immunities of citizenship. For happily, the government of the United States, which gives to bigotry no sanction, to persecution no assistance, requires only that they who live under its protection should demean themselves as good citizens, 
Washington continues, May the children of the stock of Abraham who dwell in this land continue to merit the joy and goodwill of other inhabitants, while everyone shall sit in safety under his own vine and fig tree, and there shall be none who make him afraid. May the Father of all mercies scatter light and not darkness in our path, and make us all in our several vocations useful here, and in his own due time and way everlastingly happy. There is little doubt that after reading this response from the President of the New United States of America, that the Jewish community of Rhode Island were, indeed, equals under the law. Their support for American freedom meant finally they would receive Jewish religious freedom in the United States of America. When we come back, we will look into the tragic situation of the Jews fighting on both sides of World War I. We'll be right back on the Jewish Diaspora Report. At the outbreak of World War I, the Jews, eager to demonstrate their loyalty to their respective countries, rallied for their war effort. About half a million Jews donned the Russian uniform. On the opposite side, almost 100,000 Jews were serving in the German army. Yet despite this massive enlistment, accusations were levied against the Jews for evasion and profiteering in both countries. Statistics appear to indicate that the percentage of the Jewish deaths were in no way smaller than those of the non-Jewish populations, disproving these allegations. Suspicions concerning their loyalty were even voiced in England and the United States. In both countries, Jews of German origin were required to sign humiliating public declarations of loyalty to their country. Approximately 225,000 American Jews served in World War I. They served as Marines, soldiers, and sailors. They served in all aspects of the military, infantry, artillery, cavalry, engineering, signal, aviation, ordnance, quartermaster branches, and even more. Some were heroes, some did their part, and some never made it home. Four American Jews received the Medal of Honor. As we saw in the American Revolutionary War, Jews appeared to enlist to support their diaspora homeland more than the population size. Even though the Jews of America were merely 3% of the American population, those Jews who enlisted accounted for 7.5% of their community. On the other side of the battlefield, the German Jews were even more willing to take up arms to support their homeland. The German Jewish population made up less than 1% of the greater German population. However, nearly 20% of the Jewish community enlists. Canadian Jews, who were still living under the British monarchy during World War I, did not shy away from stepping up to fight for king and country. Approximately 2,700 Canadian Jews enlisted to fight on the battlefields of Europe with British forces. With a Jewish Canadian population of only 1% of the population, nearly 3% of the Jewish community joined to fight. There have been some great theories as to why the Jews of the World War I era chose to fight for their country so bravely and in such large numbers. One theory that I like to subscribe to is that the World War I generation was the era of emancipation and assimilation for Jews around the world, and out of fear of being accused of not truly being assimilated into their countries, Jews lined up to prove their loyalty to the countries and their countrymen. Most Jews hoping to return from World War I with more respect and acceptance from their fellow countrymen. Nothing can promote more equality among countrymen than standing side by side in a foxhole. Sadly, this acceptance did not exactly happen the way that these communities had hoped, especially in Germany. Less than 20 years later, those same Jews who had fought so bravely and loyally to their country would be rounded up and sent to concentration camps to die. When we come back, we will look into the Jews of the Second World War era and how the Jewish community for the first time had communal investment in the outcomes of the war. We'll be right back after this quick break on the Jewish Diaspora Report. World War II was no different than previous engagements, although the Jewish soldiers, of course, only fought for one side. 
Approximately 1.5 million Jews fought in the regular Allied armies. In many cases, the percentage of Jews fighting was greater than the percentage of Jews in their respective countries. During World War II, approximately 550,000 American Jews served in the various branches of the United States Armed Forces. They served on all fronts in Europe and the Pacific. Some 10,000 were killed in combat, and more than 36,000 received citations. Many Jewish soldiers ended up taking part in liberating the death and concentration camps of Europe. Also, about 500,000 Jews fought for the Red Army during World War II. This represented about 18% of the 3 million Jews in the USSR. Some 120,000 Jewish soldiers were killed in combat and in the line of duty. The Germans also murdered 80,000 Soviet Jewish prisoners of war. Approximately 100,000 Jews fought for the Polish army against the German invasion. They made up 10% of the Polish army. Canada, now an independent nation, sent more than 17,000 Jewish men and women from their tiny wartime Jewish community of 168,000, putting their lives on the line for the cause of peace and freedom. This accounts for about 10% of the Jewish community enlisting to fight for a population of less than 2% of Canadians. Unlike previous conflicts, the Jewish people serving in war had a much different experience. Not only was anti-Semitism on the rise around the world, but Jewish soldiers faced prejudices within their own ranks. And also, Jews captured by the Nazis were known to be separated from their non-Jewish colleagues and sent to death camps rather than prisoner of war camps. There had been some debate on what people knew about the Holocaust and when they knew it. Some people had heard rumors about camps and executions, but many did not believe that a civilized nation like Germany could ever be doing things of this nature. Some Jewish people may have signed up to save fellow Jews from the Nazi hatred. Others may have chose to fight fascism and ensure freedom for all. One example of this heroism is near and dear to my heart. It's the story of Harold Red Fromstein from Toronto, Canada. Harold Fromstein landed in Normandy a month after D-Day in July 1944. He was attached to the Royal Highland Regiment, also known as Black Watch. This was a Montreal-based outfit that had been nearly wiped out in the Dieppe raids of August 1942. During a battle on July 25, 1944, most of Fromstein's Black Watch comrades were killed or captured. He himself took a machine gun bullet to the neck and another near his eye. In an act of self-preservation, he had the foresight to tear off his dog tags that identified him as a Jew, just before being captured by the Nazis. The Germans treated his wounds and soon after the Americans liberated his hospital that he had been held in. Fromstein eventually made it back to rehabilitation in Britain, but five months later, with a six-inch scar on the back of his neck, he was back in action serving as a stretcher-bearer with the Canadians. At this point, the Allies pushed their desperate and outnumbered German forces back across the Rhine River. Fromstein saved the lives of several of his men in late February 1945 when he organized stretcher parties and personally aided in evacuating casualties over a distance of several thousand yards, all while under the mortar and machine gun fire of the Germans. This courageous act is the reason for his given nickname, the Angel of the Battlefield. Ironically, the Canadian military actually awarded the Medal of Honor to Harold's brother, Albert Fromstein, the name that Harold used while in uniform since he enlisted before he was old enough to enlist. He had used his brother's ID in order to get into the military and fight for Canada. Without the modern help of computers to help them search, the officers never really knew that Albert Fromstein was actually serving in the Royal Canadian Air Force on Vancouver Island. After the war, Harold eventually confessed to fudging his identity to the military and told the military who he really was and received his Medal of Honor in his own name. In the end, in the stories of Red Fromstein and many other Jewish soldiers, we see it's clear that there was some reason why Jewish communities regularly stepped up to serve their countries bravely. 
This topic has been a passion of mine throughout my life. My own grandfather served proudly in the Canadian forces during World War II. I was never able to speak to him about his service due to his unexpected death in my youth. What I do know is that he was a signalman in North Africa and Italy and eventually aided in the liberation of the Netherlands, something he was incredibly proud of. Growing up with this missing piece of my history, I've always been interested in the question, why do we fight? Nothing can be more clear than those Jewish soldiers who returned back from battle following World War II and immediately turned their focus to the new state of Israel. Many of these experienced and trained Jewish soldiers, sailors, and pilots help in Israel's war of independence. The support from these foreign Jewish soldiers was undoubtedly vital to Israel's survival in a war with multiple highly trained and well-equipped Arab armies. This tradition of Jewish courage and strength is only amplified as the Jews of Israel are called up to protect their country. The IDF, or Israeli Defense Forces, or in Hebrew, Tzva HaHaganah Israel, boasts approximately 170,000 active personnel and nearly half a million in reserves. Of these IDF soldiers, there are approximately 7,000 lone soldiers. These are Jews from the diaspora who have left their homes without the support of their loved ones to go and serve the Jewish state and protect Israeli and Jewish lives. Their tradition of Jews standing up to fight is a long and proud one. Why we fight as Jews may be for many different reasons. But if history is our guide, we as the Jewish community have always accepted the call to fight proudly for our diaspora countries and our Jewish homeland. This episode is lovingly dedicated to my dear grandmother of blessed memory, who just passed away after over a hundred years on this earth. A Jewish woman who supported my grandfather while he was fighting to protect Jewish lives in Europe and liberate the people of Holland from Nazi rule. May her memory be a blessing. This has been another episode of the Jewish Diaspora Report. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check us out on social media at jdr.podcast and check out our other episodes on your favorite podcast source. We'll see you next time.